Hey, tell me this. Who's the best cover guy? Who's the best lockdown cover guy in the Canadian Football League right now? I'm the best I'm the best DB in this league. For real? For real. Welcome to a wild edition of the Waggle. I'm going to say wild already. Be, I mean, and look, there's no guarantee that it could be wild, but I'm going to say it's wild right out of the gate here because it's been a wild week in the Canadian Football League with free agency. It's legitimately this week of free agency in the Canadian Football League felt like other big leagues when free agent frenzy starts, whether it was the NBA, whether it's the NHL, whether it's the NFL, Major League Baseball. This legitimately felt wild, and we're going to dissect what has gone down over the last few days. My name is James Sabolski. With me on the other side of the country this week, from the six, from Drakeland, Davis Sanchez catching his breath after a wild few days. First off, let me say, partner, great job working alongside Brody Lawson and doing all that stuff on CFL.ca. Live coverage, uh, social media, all of it, great stuff over the last few days, partner. How you doing? Thank you, my friend. I'm doing great. Yeah, you know what? It was uh, it was cool to be a part of this down here. The first time ever, the CFL is is conducted a live uh, free live show on free agency day. Uh, we busted out a couple of days here. As you know, the crew out here in Toronto is great, and it was it was a pleasure to work with them, and we had some fun. It was a whirlwind. What? Uh, talk to me about what the date. What what? valentine's day or the the 14th of february yeah. was like because uh, you were you were you were up live every hour on the uh, at the bottom of the hour to kind of break down what the latest news and information was happening was it overwhelming was it fun was it exciting it's it's kind of a whirlwind day but a day that you know when you kind of stop you're, you're when you're in the thick of it it's, you just feed off the energy of all these moments and all these signings right yeah so what what we did is exactly every hour on the half hour uh, we we were set up there we had uh, we had the studio and then uh, down the hall we had a war room set up where where all all the staff at at cfl.ca and the league office uh, were pulling stats and talking to agents and talking to teams and and getting all the stuff prepared as, as obviously things are going down every you know every 10 minutes 5 minutes there's different signings and different rumors and then we would so we would do a 50 minute show that's me and Brody Brody and Max I would do a 15 minute live hit and then we would bust back to the to the war room meet with all the all the guys digging up the juice back there uh gather that and then back again uh for another hit at the next hour so it was I mean we had you know probably by the time you have a go to the bathroom or have a drink of water you got about 30 minutes to prepare for the next one and, and dig up whatever information and and then back at it but it was uh it was pretty cool. Tons of great reaction uh, on social media and people joining in and uh, players and fans. And it was uh, a whirlwind of a couple of days. Uh, but, uh, you know, I think for, for a first time it's been done. I think it was a huge success and, and the fans seemed to love it. And well worth it. I mean, perfect timing to do it. I mean, the anticipation certainly lived up to uh, to all the hype based on what we've seen. And there's still many more dominoes and there's many more chips to fall that are in play right now as as we record this on a Thursday afternoon. But 
Oh, the, the excitement, how much fun this has been over the last few days to kind of digest it. So what we're going to do, uh, I, I should preface here on the, you know, here on this edition of The Waggle. You can find Davis, by the way, on Twitter, at Davis Sanchez. I'm at James Sabalski on Twitter. And you can always follow along. If you're not subscribed already to The Waggle, you can do so on iTunes, and it goes right to your tablet, your smartphone, or to your computer. It's, still, it's, like, it's like mail online i guess like email so to speak right but it's a podcast and it's free so and you know who likes free everybody likes free so if you haven't subscribed already do so you can always find us as usual on cfl.ca as well we're going to catch up to one of the big free agent signings coming up a little later on this edition with the newest member of the hamilton tie cats abdul kane one of the top defensive backs in the league, and uh, we'll see just exactly where he sees himself fitting in the pecking order of the best cover guys in the league coming up a little later on. But you talk about shaking things up at Hamilton. Big signing there. We'll get into that and a whole lot more. So Davis and I thought we would play a little game of love it or shove it with all nine CFL teams so far from what we've seen on free agency to this point in time over the last three days into this uh lots of movement on every roster uh some doing a great job some not doing a great job and uh this is where we're gonna play a little love it or shove it sanchez you ready to go oh i'm ready i'm ready all right here we go okay we're gonna do this in alphabetical order so we're gonna start with the british columbia lions the bc lions from free agency so far to start um, obviously, they, they go out. They a lot of for a lot of their work was keeping stuff in house. Uh, free agents like uh, or free agents to be Solomon Elamimian. Uh, they kept Brian Burnham. They kept Marco Iannuzzi. They kept Mikhail Brooks. They kept Ronnie Yell. Um, and and the one guy that they went out and brought in, Chris Williams, a receiver who's coming off a significant injury, but joining arguably the most explosive receiving core in the CFL at this point in time, having Manny Arsenault, Brian Burnham, and if Chris Williams is healthy, what a three-headed monster that will be for Jonathan Jennings. Love it or shove it, Davis, the BC Lions free agency thus far? Why, why do you have to put me on the spot, first of all? See, this, is, this, is, this, seems a, this seems a bit unfair, but okay. I love it. I love it. You love I, it? I love it because I love it because the most important piece for the Lions to, to get back right off the right off the hop, I felt might have some others might have might have felt differently than I felt. Everybody talked about Brian Burnham, which you can never underestimate uh, what Brian Burnham has brought, brought to that vertical offense. But Mikael Brooks was the number one signee for the BC Lions, in my opinion. He anchors that defense. He's the man in the middle. He sets the tone, and getting him locked up was huge. And then, of course, they ended up getting. Burnham re-signed as well, and then adding the most explosive man in the CFL in Chris Williams. That to me, uh, right away, I've, I've said it once. I'll say it. I'll say it thrice. Uh, that's the most dynamic, explosive offense in the Canadian Football League. On paper, on paper, would you would you agree with that, James? On uh, paper, uh, oh, this uh, is the best offense, or would you say anyone's better? You look at you look at. No, I, I think that's. I think right now this is the best offense in the Canadian Football League, and and that's and we don't know just how healthy Chris Williams is going to be, but if Chris Williams gets back to even close to what he was prior to the injury, you're looking at. You know, you're looking. You basically signed three 1,000-yard receivers and three guys that you can make a case. You're probably looking at three of the top ten receivers. And if Williams is if Williams is back to the player he was last year, 
you're looking at having two of the top five receivers in all of the CFL. And Burnham's not far off that into that discussion as well. So you've got three of the top 10 receivers. We'll just see where Chris Williams kind of sits in things. For me, shove it with the BC Lions. And I know, I know. And here's why. And look, as much as I love... How could you say, how could you say shove it to, that, to those signings? Look, tell me, please, talk here, to me. Here's, here's why I have an issue with the Lions. Because, yes, they've done a, lot, uh, they've done a nice job of ter- in terms of keeping stuff in-house. But you went out and your biggest free agent signing right now is Chris Williams. And this is a team that you're going to score points regardless this team had a problem keeping teams out of the end zone last year, and they've lost a ton of key guys. This is a team with Adam Big Hill last year, Anthony Gator last year, that were giving up close to 30 points a game in and around and gave up north of 30 points in the playoffs against Winnipeg, and they gave up north of 30 against the Calgary Stampeders. They can't keep teams out of the end zone, and all they've seen to do is address offense. They went out and they got Chris Williams. Was that your priority? I think for them to, to look at maybe another lockdown corner, to look for another pass rusher, to look for something defensively, that's where I think the priority lies for the BC Lions because you're going to get your points. You've got a nice running game. You've got a great quarterback in Jonathan Jennings. You've obviously got a lot of talent in the receiver position with Manny Arsenal and Brian Burnham. But was offense really your biggest need into the offseason? I mean, there's still time to shake things up, but I'm going to say they didn't address their biggest problem and that's defense, Davis. That's that's you know what that's uh, that's a great point. Uh, it's one I haven't heard, James. That that makes it does make a lot of sense when you when you say it like that. Uh, it was it was a team that that too many people scored, not enough turnovers created on defense. They were last in the league in interceptions as well, and de- last league interceptions lost uh, lost some guys in the secondary. Obviously, Gator going to the league, yeah. and then still these guys come back off. You know, T.J. Lee and Stephen Clark and Ronnie Yale all coming off injuries. So not only do you not have the guys you had last year who were last in the league interceptions, you don't have them all back healthy. Uh, you didn't really add anybody. So I, you know, from that standpoint, I'll, I'll agree with you. The one thing I would say, James, uh, when it comes to and we we were guilty of this last year before the season. You know, pull up. Pull up the archive. Pull up the archive. <laughs> I know where you're Wagos. going. I know where you're and going. I, yeah, I, I, I said it. I think I definitely said it. I could probably say you were on there with me, but yeah. I definitely said it. I said that the Lions did not do enough. They weren't good in 2015, and they did nothing to change their team, and they weren't going to be any better in 2016. I thought they'd be in the bottom of the West, and I was wrong. And and that being said, here's the thing: when it comes to promoting from within, and we got to learn this because we keep getting smacked with it. When it comes to promoting from within, I go with these words in Wally, I trust. <laughs> over and over, it looks like they have nothing, but Wally seems to develop players. That's why he's the godfather. He seems to keep developing talent and not going out and overspending in free agency, yet a decade after decade, he seems to have his teams at the top of the West and the top of the CFL. And, and you know what? A lot of credit to that also goes to Neil McAvoy, G. Roy Simon as well, who help, uh, who help Wally and do a great job with that. It's a, it's, hey, look, I get it, man. I totally get it. And, and last year, Jonathan Jennings was way better than you and I, I think, fully realized from what we had seen in that sample size in 2015. And he showed that he was worth every penny and worth the opportunity to be the number one guy with the BC Lions supplanting 
uh, Travis Lule. But, you know, I do want to say one thing about, you know, we've seen a lot of weird stuff and funky stuff and fun stuff over social media over the last few days with some of the signings. I do want to take a little issue with uh, Marco Iannuzzi, who, who had re-upped with the Lions. I really like Marco, and, and I, I'm a big fan of what he does in the community, uh, what he does for the BC Lions, what he does for kids. Uh, he is so involved in the community, and I think a lot of players could le- learn a thing or two for just how Marco carries himself in the community. Having said that, he completely discredited and ripped a reporter on social media for reporting that he had re-signed the night prior, and he, you know, kind of almost took a cheap shot saying, you've been badgering me for, you know, 40 times, uh, and, you know, it's not true, I haven't signed anything yet. Um, well, I saw that, I did, yeah, I did see that, I did and, see and that. I yeah. just, and, I, like, and look, I mean, he, you know, to go that strong at a guy on social media to kind of, you know, dispute something, and then 12 hours later posting, hey, re-sign two years, you look back, <laughs> you know, it's like, that's not true. Like, that's the way the way that the media basically rips Donald Trump these days. Like, I mean, imagine Donald Trump doing that. I mean, people would have a field day with him. I, I just think you look you look silly when you do that, where you discredit something saying that's not true, only to kind of trumpet it out yourself, you know, eight to ten hours later. And I understand it's uh, it, probably a sensitive it, time yeah. when you're when you're a free agent and there's a lot of volatility in the air. And until you know, you don't know. But at the same time, I just, man, I, I just thought Marco, I thought Marco was in the wrong there to really go that hard with a guy when it was obvious that he did sign. Uh, I, I know this. I don't, I don't know what happened in that situation, but I, I, I do know this. If there was a reporter, I played in this league or in, in professional football for over a decade, and if there was a reporter who was calling me 30 or 40 times, I, I'd be happy somebody, want, somebody wanted to talk to me. <laughs> yeah exactly exactly be, just be to, thankful to be fair, nah, no you know it's, you know what to be honest though it's uh I, I obviously if he signed you know the next day it was probably i'm sure the reporter whoever put it out there would probably his facts were probably probably right and he he, he knew the deal was done uh, i would i would guess Marco wanted to make the the big splash announcement himself or with the Lions, so uh, I, I understand him from that point. But like he said, on the other, on the other hand, all of us around this league, uh, you know, love that the relationship with the media and the fact that we can uh, the media can help help promote the guys and promote the league. Uh, you know, we're all you know somewhat thankful for for that opportunity. So it's a it's a two way street, but uh, he. Marco maybe could have handled it a little bit better if he wants to. If he wants to promo with all the, because we do promote all the great things he does. So, uh, so it's uh, yeah, yeah I, 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 I get it. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I think, I mean, I think it was a case of the wording probably more than anything. Where I think the report was that he resigned, and I think probably it was more agreed to terms and wasn't fully done until he fully re- anyway. So. Moving along with that. I'll tell you what, though. I mean, we've seen yep. a lot of different things. Sean Lemon just announced Thursday that he's getting off Twitter until the summer, until the season. So Sean Lemon has allegedly quit Twitter. Um, believe it when we see it. And I mean, what's, what's some of the funny things that you've seen on Twitter over the last year? Anything that jumped out? Oh, Javon Johnson yeah. was pretty oh, funny oh. before he started. I was like, okay, did he just sign with Hamilton? Uh, no, wait a minute. No, Javon Johnson was definitely a topic of discussion <laughs> uh, through Twitter. He is, he is, Javon is, I mean, hey, look, we're talking, Javon Johnson was, uh, you know, was the most outstanding defense player in his league, uh, you know, five years ago, but he's, uh, it seems like he hasn't drummed up a ton of interest from, from teams and he's, 
you know, kind of promoting himself out there, like, hey, what the heck's going on? You don't don't forget who don't forget about number two out here. So and and rightfully so, Javon still got some some gas in the tank. But uh, the best one for me, hands down, bar none. And there's some good ones. There's some there's some seconds and thirds. But number one was uh, was Feder Kyle out there, uh, Dan Feder Kyle out there in Calgary, offensive tackle, who tweeted out. Does anybody? I guess he didn't get many phone calls on day one, and he tweeted out. Does anybody not want the services of a 33-year-old Canadian lineman who has a good two or three years left at nine, playing nine games a season? <laughs> Which I thought was great. Hey. With, his, with his injury history, making fun of himself with his injury history was flipping hilarious. Hashtag real talk, right? And, and, you know, real and, talk. Yeah, some fun with it. And good, good, good on him. That's, <laughs> that's outstanding. And so... Like I said, and, and, and to your point as well, I mean, a lot of um, there's been a lot of things said and, and some fun stuff, some good, bad, and the downright funky uh, that we've seen. But that's what social media is for. So, okay, we go on to the next team, and we go to the, def- uh, well, not the defending, uh, the uh, runners-up in the Grey Cup uh, this past year, the Calgary Stampeders, who were a game away from being the greatest uh, regular season team in league history. And it's been an interesting offseason for them. They kept Micah Johnson. Um, they signed Mitchell Gale as a quarterback. They also added linebacker Bo Landry. But they took a huge... Uh, they also re-upped with Mark, Markway McDaniel. But they took a huge... And I, when I say huge, I'm talking about the league's best lineman in 2016, Derek Dennis, who flew the coop. Uh, the Calgary Stampeders, love it or shove it. Davis, I'm going to say shove it because they lost... Uh, Bo Levi Mitchell's insurance policy, they lost his blind side. Yeah. Uh, you know what? We have, you know, they got they got Micah back, who is probably the most disruptive interior lineman in the league. Mark Wayback, who we saw, you know, firsthand in the Great Cup, James. What happened after the first quarter of the Great Cup on second down against Ottawa? Bo did not know where to go. He did not have that guy. So that was huge to get Mark Wayback. Uh, other guys we haven't talked about, too, is Glenn Love, who hit the free agent market, who, who came in uh, as a linebacker who filled in for Mayo, who is a young, athletic. He was a, a, a free safety at UCLA, came on last year really strong and really showed promise. And not a lot of fanfare, but those uh, inside the organization know how good and how valuable Glenn Love is. And he didn't get re-signed either. One of the young, what I think is going to be one of the young stars in this league. He's on the open market too. So I'm going to have to say a shove it with, with Calgary as well. Uh, lo- losing Dennis, not getting Love re-signed, and then, you know, kind of getting these two guys. But I'm going to, I'm going to say shove it. Didn't add any, didn't really add any pieces. Yeah. And, and how, and by the way, on a side note, how does nobody sign a guy named Love on Valentine's Day? That's just bad karma for teams not <laughs> signing a guy like that, Dave. <laughs> Come on. Like, what are you doing? Can you, can you, not, not feeling can the you love. Just, can you just picture? Can you picture? Can you picture Spencer Spencer Zimmerman right, on Valentine's Day and everyone giving him giving him giving him crap for not getting in, getting any signings and him going home to his wife and telling her telling her that uh, hey look honey if everyone's giving me crap about not getting anyone signed uh, I got I got love for you and as she opens her arms for a big hug he provides her Glenn love. We, you know the the possibilities the, the jokes are endless how about you know uh hey Ar- argos get love you know um feel, feel, the, feel the love you know the, you can have so many 
fun things to do with oh, so, so much fun who's, from a PR standpoint. Uh, let's go to Edmonton, and uh, we'll talk about the Edmonton Eskimos. Uh, they go out and they sign running back Kendall Lawrence. Uh, they wind up uh, picking up Andrew Liu, uh, DB as well, and they uh, hang out with Philip Hunt, uh, defensive lineman. Love it or shove it for the Eskies from what you've seen thus far. Eskies or Eskies or shove it. They didn't. Uh, they didn't get a lot. A lot done. Andrew Liu, though. Although Andrew Liu is a guy who underrated. He's a Canadian guy who who will come in. Uh, Neil King is a, a good free safety and ha- had a good season last year. Andrew Liu is a physical a physical guy, a young kid who's had some injury issues uh, at the start of his career, but he's a guy who has the potential to be a ratio changing. Uh, a, a really good player. So that was a good signing, under the radar, good signing. Other than that, they're pretty quiet. Uh, pretty quiet. So it's a it's a shove it for for Edmonton. Yeah, I got to shove it too for Edmonton, just because they haven't really they they haven't addressed a whole lot, uh, just from what I've seen. And this was a team that, look, they had their issues defensively. They seemed to kind of weather the storm down the stretch, but they still looked vulnerable at times uh, late in the year. It was a team that it took a year to kind of reload for them. We'll see if maybe just staying the course much like Wally Buono did last year uh whether staying the course will pay off for Edmonton this year but at this point in time based on what I've seen in terms of uh, free agency and how they've addressed things I'm going with a good old-fashioned shove it as well so that's three straight shove it for me out of the gate but don't get me wrong I like some stuff too Jay and also one more thing before we get off of Edmonton what what do we do? We talked at the beginning of the year about this, about the secondary and the struggle the secondary had. They got better towards the end, yeah. and we talked about that they were an older, older secondary. But the best, the best two available cornerbacks, not including John Ojo, because John Ojo's got some NFL opportunities, so that's the reason why he hasn't signed. He's probably the number one guy available right now, but mm-hmm. but he's he's gonna he's still recovering. You guess he's six or eight weeks out of his Achilles injury recovery, and then once he does. Once he does recover, he's got a bunch of. I think they set up to eight NFL workouts scheduled for him. But but other than him, Court Parks and Pat Watkins are the two best available cornerbacks on the market. I would say right now, and they're both in their mid thirties, and they're both Edmonton Eskimos. They were with the Eskimos last season, so they're not. Doesn't look like they're going to resign either of those two guys. What are they going to do in their secondary? Like it's maybe they, they must know something I don't know because the Edmonton Eskimos have money to spend almost always every off season they have money to spend their secondaries I would I could go as far as to say is in shambles without those two guys and even with those two guys you you have an older group what are you doing in your secondary they didn't address the secondary uh, at all so I'm they must have a plan or some guys in their PR that we don't know about but that's another issue that that's got to be rectified. By Ed Hervey and the Edmonton Eskimos. Yeah, I mean, based on what I heard, it sounded like they tried, but some of those possible uh, replacements or guys to fill the gap uh, ultimately slipped through and sure. wound up going in a different direction, specifically bringing us up to the next team. We're talking about the Hamilton Ticats. They go out and they bring in Abdul Kane from the Grey Cup champion Ottawa Red Blacks. They also keep Emmanuel Davis and also back... A guy who uh, made it sound uh, crystal clear about two minutes after uh, their playoff elimination last fall, Terrence Tolliver is back with Hamilton. So, Terrence, what happened? Uh, before, before we get into Terrence here, love it or shove it, Davis. Uh, the Hamilton Ticats, I'm going to say right out of the gate, I love it. 
Oh, J- Jamesy, come on. You you know me. To get two of the best defensive backs in the league <laughs> playing in the same secondary, get them re-signed. Talk, talk about Valentine's. I didn't get I didn't get wifey anything this year. I was so excited. I was so excited about Davis and Kane in the same in the same backfield. That was all I needed for Valentine's Day. So I just celebrated by watching continual clips of Abdul Kane and Emmanuel Davis all night long while drinking red wine by myself. How how good do the Tie Cats become now? Having they were they were a beleaguered secondary. We've talked about it being an area that they needed to address, and basically two guys that we had in our top free agents list a week ago going in our top 10 free agents both these guys were in there they were the top two dbs on the board that we had ranked and they kept not only did they keep the one that they that was theirs but they also went out and signed the best free agent db available and abdul kane how how good are the tie cats now based on the offense that they have and now that secondary to go along with a pretty good front uh, pass rush and linebacking core just to signify the two Lockdown halfbacks that Jeff Reinbold has has just locked in. He has just I just got a report. He has just locked in two hoop gold hoop earrings <laughs> on one of on his left ear. Gold two gold hoop earrings for Jeff Reinbold. Just 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 coming over the wire to signify Canadian Davis locking down two sides of the football field. That's that's unbelievable. What a game-changing, uh, two game-changing signings if, if these guys can stay healthy. And we're going to talk to Abdul Kane coming up uh, a little later on in the show, but what a tremendous move. Well, two of the best. The Gives you a ton of all jokes yeah. All jokes aside. Sorry, James, go ahead. Buddy. Go, no, go no, ahead. No, but, no, but I mean the, the importance of it because this was a team that could get after the quarterback, You guys like John Chick and Ted Laron and – and you know Simone Lawrence, but it's like I said, the Achilles' heel for the Tie Cats last year was their secondary. That doesn't seem to be the case this year in 2017. Yeah, it gives gives it gives Jeff Reinbold. You know, this is new. This is a new season for Jeff. His first year as a coordinator after after Lionel Steinauer takes off to Fresno State. Uh, you want as a new coordinator, you know, you want to have some pieces to play with, and and uh, nothing better than having halfbacks, good halfbacks, which as we all know as CFL fans, that's the toughest position to secure. Uh, I say it over and over again. You can, you can bring in a corner. You can bring in a receiver. You can bring in a running back some, from somewhere down south who, who can figure it out, figure out how to play. You can't, you can't bring in a halfback and let him. He's not going to figure out how to play quickly. And if they do, they're few and far between. It takes time to learn uh, how to cover the waggle. <clears throat> the waggle. <clears throat> <laughs> yeah, get it? The waggle. It takes time to cover cover. Sorry, I'm cover slow the on the draw. Not a terrible tag team partner <laughs> on my part. <laughs> you should yeah. Anyway, it it is a difficult you can't learn how to how to how to guard the waggle uh in a matter of weeks or training camp. So that is a position you have to build, build and they've done that and the rest of the pieces as you said, the front seven is is nice. So look for that look for that hand with the defense to start off start off with uh with good pieces, hopefully uh, Caleros is back feeling good and healthy, and uh, yeah, they're to be reckoned with in the East, and it's a definite, it's a definite love it over there in Hamilton. Yeah, no, I, I, look, health, health comes, it comes down to health for I think a lot of teams uh, over the course of the year, but based on based on what they've got on paper right now, it's hard not to look at the Tie Cats as maybe the heavyweights of the East Division right now, and I. I 
I think there's some there, there's maybe an area in their in their uh, in their in their offensive line that could probably use a little addressing and some tweaking. They also letting uh, Peter Dykowski, a 10-year vet, walk away, who is you know just an outstanding community presence and a former Canada's smartest person. We should point out as well, winning the game show on uh, CBC a few seasons ago. But the Tabbies, it's hard not to like what they've done. Um, you know, they, they bring back Terrence Toller. How, and by the way, I mean, we talked about, you know, some of the silly stuff we've seen on social media. How ridiculous did Terrence Tolliver look to kind of basically piece out the way he did? I mean, we've talked about this a few times, but to sit there and send a tweet out uh, two minutes after a game, after being eliminated in the playoffs and say, thanks for your time, Hamilton. It's been a good run. Assuming that he was going to the NFL and then to basically well, resign. Oh. Well, but James, to, to be fair, we're going to give Terrence, Terrence, give us a shout at James Zabalski, at David Sanchez. Tell us what you meant by that tweet. Maybe yeah. you have something else you could tell us, Terrence, that I don't know if I'm buying it, but I'll, I'll definitely be open, open ears. Maybe he was saying thank you for the season. It's been great, and, and he's now heading home for the offseason and can't wait to re-sign as a free agent. Maybe can we give him that one? Maybe Waggle Court. But, uh, we can, both looked we'll, at it. Yeah, we'll put him to yeah. Waggle Court. He's gonna go to Waggle Court. That's, <laughs> that's Terrence, what we, can call we, we would love to have you. There, Terrence is a shout out to you. Anyone who knows Terrence, please forward him this this message. Let him know we'd love to have him on the Waggle in have him in Waggle Court as James has just suggested on the Waggle to discuss what he meant by that and if it was just the emotion of the end of the season or if he had something in up his sleeve. But Terrence. You are invited to join the Waggle to talk about that and to talk about your great re-signing your new contract. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's also the possibility there's been some discussions that Terrell Sinkfield could find his way back to Hamilton uh, this this upcoming season as well. He obviously was back in uh, BC last year, and I felt Terrell Sinkfield was kind of lost in the shuffle in that mix with Arsenal and Burnham in that receiving core, but... It might be a good fit to get back to Hamilton where he obviously had a pretty good rapport with Zach Caleros and, and maybe thrive as a complimentary piece with Terrence Tolliver. But, uh, that I mean, that's not done yet, but there is some possibility that the Ticats could uh, continue to add to their receiving core, bringing back the former tabby uh, Terrell Sinkfield, who had over 1,000 yards receiving in, I believe, 2015. Yeah, we can't we can't we can't forget to mention also the the departure of Drake Nevis, which was which is huge. Yeah, uh, obviously we'll talk about we'll talk about Drake Nevis when we get to Winnipeg, but the departure of him is is big for the Ticats and and uh, yeah, let's uh, who's next? Who we got next, Seaball? Up next, number five, it's the Montreal Alouettes. Davis, love it or shove it on the heels of picking up Ernest Jackson, the East Most Outstanding Player nominee. They pick up defensive back veteran DB Ryan Phillips, one of your former teammates. They pick up lineman Jabbar Westerman. Uh, and this all comes as well after they uh, also added, uh, you know, they traded for Darian Durant and just re-upped with him for a new contract. So they were already playing with house money going into free agency. Uh, love it or shove it. They just, 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 Last night at midnight, or sometime while I was sleeping, made the shove it, made the made the love it list, and that was by the, the signing of Ernest Jackson. They were gonna, the Owls were gonna get a shove it for me this morning, uh, because I think they need they needed to get one more playmaker, one more playmaker for Darian Durant. And I wake up in the morning and I look over at my list and I have a big shove it card next to my bed beside besides my toothbrush and my snore no more, and boom, here we go. 
the man Ernest Jackson, which is uh, that's huge. That's huge for the Alouettes to to get Ernest Jackson, and then obviously adding adding Phillips is uh, a big signing. Uh, you know, uh, Ryan, a vet, a vet guy to add him, add him to a group of a group of DBs in Montreal. Young guys, all under the second year guys who were really, really, really good last year. Hard not to love what they did. I, I, I love it as well. Ernest Jackson to go out and get the guy who was kind of the plum free agent out there on the market. Uh, I think their offensive line still needs to be addressed, but you, you added a couple of good, solid pieces with Westerman and Ryan Phillips to an already impressive defensive uh, defensive group that was one of the best in the league last year with Noel Thorpe. And now you've got yourself a quarterback and you've got yourself a legitimate playmaking receiver in Ernest Jackson. And, oh, boy. Oh, boy. That's going to be a fun. This East Division suddenly looks much closer to, yes. a, 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 much closer to a West Division based on on some of these teams that have been put together. Uh, but, look, I, I, I love what the Owls did there. Uh, a huge signing. I think a lot of people surprised that they, they were able to go get Ernest Jackson. But, uh, you know, now it's now the key is to, to make sure that Darian Duran has time to get Ernest Jackson that ball. Seaball, that, that is an understatement right now. Looking at this offensive line, there's got to be. But there's a few Amer- good Americans out there still to be had so i would i would expect the montreal's uh, digging their heels in on some of these guys as we speak okay let's go to number six and that is the defending great cup champions the ottawa red blacks uh hey look they kept uh, greg ellingson they kept nolan mcmillan they kept jarell gavins uh they went out and they lost chris williams they ultimately lost ernest jackson and they lost abdul kane so when you look at the list of the top free agents available, two of those top five guys that we had on our list was Ernest Jackson and Abdul Kane. And yet, and yet, Davis, I love what they did because they totally redeemed themselves when you look at the names that they brought in. To go get yourself a quality linebacker in Khalil Bass, to get Deontay Spencer, a playmaking receiver, Kenny Shaw, and also adding Jefferson in your secondary. Uh, you may not have been able to keep Jackson and Kane. But, boy, oh, boy, you did a real good job of doing, spreading the money out properly for four very good players in addition to keeping three key individuals as well. And that's, a, that, that's, a love, that's a love it for you? Yeah, that's a love it for me. You have got to be kidding me. You're talking, James, this team just lost LaFrance, a good young Canadian. They lost Abdul Kane, who is the best, the best cover guy in the league. Chris Williams, who is the most explosive, the fastest, the biggest deep deep play threat in the league, and you lost the most outstanding player in in the East last year in Ernest Jackson, and you're telling me with all those departures that this that this is a love it. Well, when well, you, James, when you put it like that. I happen I I happen to agree. <laughs> and it's, I I can't even believe I can't even believe we're saying it. Yeah. That's that's how good of a job. That's how good of a job that Marcel and Brock Sutherland and this staff has done. Like, how do you lose all those guys and still win? Come out yeah. with a with an A grade in free agency and how they did it. What's what was most impressive to me, James, with this is the guys that they signed. And we look at this, and I talked about it a bit on on uh, on CFL.ca yesterday in the free agency was talking about how how the guys they got the receive the two receivers first of all let's use them for example okay they're not as they don't have as much experience and they're not they're not 
they haven't shown as much as we've seen. You would agree uh, with er- Ernest Jackson and Chris Williams. The two, Deontay Spencer and Kenny Shaw, are not at par right now with those two guys. You would agree? To- yeah, I would agree with that for sure. So that being said, but what the thing is, is out of the salary cap management system, you can't really afford Chris Williams, Ernest Jackson, along with Greg Ellingson. So now you replace these guys who are probably uh, in this, you know, a little bit underneath those two guys, but their salaries fit in more to what, you, what you're trying to do. So that being said, now you can sign a guy like Khalil Bass. Now you can sign a guy like A.J. Jefferson. And in two years from now, you have two young receivers who are now at the point where you hope you hope they're at the point where Ernest Jackson and Chris Williams were last year. And they're now these guys are in their late twenties and Chris Jackson, Chris, Chris Williams, Ernest Jackson are now in the early thirties. So I think it's for the franchise. I think it's, I think they're in a better position for not only that, but for, for the salary cap and for, for age, for getting, getting a younger team. Well, and at the same time, you really don't know what you're going to get with Chris Williams, whose game was completely predicated on speed. I mean, he wasn't necessarily known as the most sure-handed guy. He was the home run threat. He was the home run ball. And if he loses a step at all, that's a tough contract to continue to eat and pay a lot of money for. So it'll be a home run strikeout sort of signing, I think, for the BC Lions this year. But Ottawa recognizing that, you know what, we can't take that chance or whether that chance was even afforded to them, but I think to go out and get Spencer, who a lot of people liked, that was a guy that you certainly were saying uh, just last week that keep an eye out. A guy like Deontay Spencer and Kenny Shaw can certainly play and see if he can kind of find his groove again. But I, I like what Ottawa was able to do in terms of, you know, you obviously take a couple of significant hits. You know, that secondary could be a problematic area for Ottawa based on what we've seen this year. And, and look, I mean, they got absolutely rocked by free agency signings to the defections to the National Football League um, and then to lose Kane as well. But So that, that's, that's an area I think that still needs to be fixed in the long run. But you, want, you, you maintain Gavin's and you also went out and you got Jefferson. So... You know, you've you've tried to play a little bit of damage control, but I really like what Marcel Desjardins did with the defending champs and, and trying to reload to get gear up for another Grey Cup uh, run here, or at least try to defend the title. At, at home, at home, at yes, home, at good home. Point. Yeah, that's a very good point as well. So, okay, we both love what the Ottawa Red Blacks did. So we go to number seven. Oh, baby, Saskatchewan Rough Rider fans. What a week it's been for you. You bring in, oh, the big side of beef and Derek Dennis, the outstanding lineman of 2016. You bring out the flying Hawaiian and Chad Owens, your former teammate in Montreal, Davis. And you go out and you bring in Keenan LaFrance, who is bound to show that he was more than just a one-hit wonder. Marc-Olivier Briette as well that you sign. And here's a team that, boy, this week I think – you know, the signing after signing that I think people were going, wow, Sasky, wow, Sasky, wow, Sasky. Love it or shove it, Davis? I think for me it's a love it. Well, since, since, since we, have, we cannot yet confirm the big, the big news of the morning, we'll actually we'll hold on to the big news of the morning. I'm going to give it a love it as well. Uh, Derek Dennis is a, is a big signing, and they still have room. They didn't lose anything, which was uh, – we can't say that to, about any other teams in the league. The, the, the Saskatchewan Rough Riders did not lose any, any players. They lost Andrew Liu, 
Northwest. It was a good young young Canadian, so I won't say they didn't lose anybody, but they they took the least amount of hits in free agency in regards to departures, and they added they added two good Canadians, two good young Canadians in Marco and Keenan, and then you add the league's most outstanding lineman. Uh, so I think I'm a definite love it for for the Riders. And now can we talk about the rumor mill this morning when we woke up and hopped on social media and hopped on cfl.ca and what did we see but chris jones is at it again rumor that rumor that chris jones is in talks with nfl super agent lee steinberg and his new client former heisman trophy winner from texas and former tennessee titan vince young so this is the news i don't know if you had seen this yet this morning uh, but this is this is the news uh, going around Lee Steinberg in conversations with Vince Young to come to the Riders. Lee Steinberg, we should preface, Lee Steinberg is essentially the agent that inspired the character Jerry Maguire uh, from the uh, Tom Cruise movie from 20 years ago. So that coined the phrase, show me the money, which the CFL has <laughs> been doing for tons of players this week. Uh, this is, wow, I mean, this has been kicked around, obviously, for the better part of the last week that he was rumored to be on the Riders' negotiation list, and now it's publicly out there that, you know, the Riders are talking with Lee Steinberg, the representative for Vince Young. It's it's a sexy name. Uh, he's certainly got the size. He's got the strength. Uh, I mean, in terms of throwing a ball, uh, here's a guy who just... Davis, you could probably speak to this as a as a guy who played a long time uh, professionally, but here's a, my concern: is this he hasn't played in a while, he's getting on a much bigger field. I wonder about his mobility, and I wonder about uh, his ability to kind of adjust to the CFL game after essentially having been idle for the better part of the last two three years. Yes, he's uh, he's 33 years old. He hasn't taken a snap since 2011. We're talking so, six years. Six years. Yeah. I said two or three. We're talking yeah. six years. Yeah. So uh, it's it's a. I don't think it's a long shot that he signs with the Riders. I think that, and and I will say, and and we're gonna go back into the archives here. Maybe we can pull this up. We'll take a second here to see if we can pull this up, and that is. We did say on the show over a month ago when Chris, when Chris Jones, when the discussion of Chris Jones trading Darian Durant came up, and we talked about if Chris at that point in his press conference said he's happy with who he has on his roster at quarterback, and he would go into the season with these guys in an open competition. And at that point, we said there's no way this is not happening. I guaranteed that Chris Jones was not going into the season with this, these guys, and we talked about, well, who else is available? And at that point, I said, he's got something up his sleeve with a big-time American quarterback, an old NFL guy or a college guy. Something He's got something up his sleeve. We said that months ago, and look, look, look at what happened. Look what's happened since then. We've heard Johnny Menzel's name, which was they've refuted. But we don't know for sure, but they have refuted that. And then we, now we hear Vince Young is actually in negotiations. So, so the, the waggle, the waggle uh, sem, semi, uh, very pushing very hard on the semi. Geniuses called that a long time ago. And uh, the, the genius part, we also uh, would be very, 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 
we might be pushing it, calling us geniuses, but we did call that one. Well, you know what? It's I, I think it, it's a low it's a low risk potential, high reward because I mean, where where does it go? I mean, you I think if you're a Riders fan, you have to temper your expectations of what you're going to get from a 33 year old Vince Young who who's really been out of the football for the last five years or almost six years now. So, but he's six foot five. And Davis, I, I, well, it's been almost 11 years now, or it's been 11 years since that incredible, dramatic Rose Bowl victory over USC, you know, with Pete Carroll's team in, in 2006. Uh, but still one of the most incredible games I've ever witnessed and Vince Young spearheading that, uh, that comeback and, you know, led to him being one of the top picks in the NFL that particular year. It, his NFL career obviously didn't go as hoped or as planned. But he's hoping for a comeback here. I'll say this, though. I, I, to look at the now for the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, you know, Chris, uh, Chris Jones has kind of put himself together a nice-looking little defense to get out there and compete for 2017. Yes. Now you got yes. yourself. You've addressed off your offensive line that a lot of Rider fans were saying, you know, you got to do something about this old line. You went out and you addressed it by bringing in the best lineman possible, the guy who was the best lineman in football last year who protected Bo Levi Mitchell's blindside. So there's another box checked. You needed to go address some playmakers. Well, what do you do? You go out and you get Deron Carter and you bring in one of the a former MOP in Chad Owens who might be a perfect mentor to keep you know Deron Carter's head on straight. And now you got a veteran quarterback with Kevin Glenn. Now, Kevin Glenn, I think most people would agree, is not in the top five and might not even be in the top nine quarterbacks in the CFL or top ten for that matter. But, but, Kevin Glenn is a veteran-capable quarterback, and you've surrounded him with an awful lot of talent and great talent at that. Kevin Glenn is not going to be put in a position where he needs to win games, but at this point in time, we'll see who ultimately is the starting quarterback come, you know, the, come week one, but Kevin Glenn might be competent enough to make this team a winner. Am I crazy to think? That? I agree. I agree. I know. I, I agree with you. Kevin Glenn is more than, more than capable. And I would also agree with you that he's probably not in the top five, seven quarterbacks in this league right now at, you know, 35 years old, however, however old KG is. But when you talk about capable, Oh, he's, he's, he's more than capable to win games and yeah. lead this team. And, and especially, and especially with talent and, per, and a quality personnel around him, where Kevin Glenn doesn't have to go out and win games by himself. And you know, we talk right. about the slogan or the or, or, or the label game manager, but Kevin Glenn can be put in a position to help navigate a team, almost in a situation to say, "Look, don't lose it for us, but we don't need you to win it for us," because a defense can meet you one way and let the playmakers make plays and. Deron Carter, Chad Owens, like you certainly address that with playmakers. If Chad Owens can get back to you know sort of health and, and the sort of form that he was showing even midseason before he got hurt last year with the Hamilton Ticats, it might be ambitious at this stage of the game of his career. But you know Deron Carter is in his prime, and if Chad Owens, he doesn't have to be the guy. He can just be a nice complimentary piece. And if he is, you're playing with house money then here with Saskatchewan. And we said it. We've said it before. Steve McAdoo, the offensive coordinator out there, and Jarius Jackson, the, the system those guys run is 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 perfectly suited for what KG does best, and that's get the ball out of his hands quickly. Yeah. And it wasn't so much. It wasn't so much what was best. What Darian did best. Darian was more of a, a play action, deep balls, five step drop type guy. His his short throws 
uh, or not a, not a strength of Darian Durant, his deep balls were, but KG is a total opposite. J- KG is great in that quick that quick passing game. We've seen him do it for years. Remember in Winnipeg, that was that was what they did. He would whip the ball around the field and, mm-hmm. with five wides, and, and that's uh, that's exactly what that staff in, in, in SAS does, and one of the reasons why they went and got him. Yeah, so we'll ultimately see what happens. I mean, look, they're, they're going to have no shortage of quarterbacks going to camp. Uh, if, if Vince Young ultimately gets signed and Kevin Glenn and you got Brandon Bridge and Jake Waters, it's you know, a lot of different guys. But uh, it's, hard not to, it's hard not to love what the Saskatchewan Rough Riders have done, not just this week, I think over the last few weeks as well. So that brings us to number eight. And that is the Toronto Argonauts. Love it or shove it, Davis. I think for me, it's almost a WTF. Um, uh, um, yeah, I, I would say this. I would say the same thing right now. I would. Uh, I would say it's, it's it's a shove it. Well, it's not even a question. It's a shove it. Uh, you know what? We we talk about this, and we'll get into this because I think this is a. I think this is an important discussion to get into. Uh, in regard to the situation that Spencer Zimmerman and Tommy Condell and and these guys have have got themselves in, and it, it's uh, it's yeah, it's not it's not it's not a great situation. And and Michael Copeland and and uh, you know what? Let's let's jump right into this first of all with Michael Copeland and the the Derek Dennis and Copeland has been getting a little bit of slack slack lately on on what's been going on uh, in the, with the, with the Argos. And Derek Dennis, uh, and I want to say, say something about this. We talked about the Mark Wainuzzi tweeting. Derek Dennis sent out a uh, there's an article about Derek Dennis. Did you see the article yep. I'm talking about, James? Yep. Yeah. And, and and he went on to say that he spoke with uh, he spoke with Spencer Zerman, and this is Derek Dennis, of course, who mm-hmm. who left Calgary now and has signed with Saskatchewan. But he was in talks deep with with the with the Argos, and he was I guess close to signing there. And he said that he spoke with his words where he spoke with Tommy Condell. I uh, was feeling really good. He spoke with Spencer Zerman and was feeling really good. And then he spoke, they put Michael Copeland on the phone. He spoke with Michael Copeland. And after that, he felt extremely unsure. And what he said, his reasons were that he, that they had no plan of football. It was the only conversation that the only conversation that Michael Copeland had with him was in regards to BMO in regards to the city in regards to the plan for the organization outside of football. And so people ripped him for this and talked about, you know, we're giving Michael Copeland a hard time. And I, I'm going to come to the defense of, of, of Michael Copeland on this. And, and I'm going to, I'm going to say it like this. It's Tommy Condell's a football guy. That's his job to talk to Derek Dennis about, about football, about football yeah. stuff, about schemes, about how they're going to use him, about, about these type of things. Okay. Spencer Zimmerman's a football guy. You could talk to him about, about personnel and the type of guys he's looking to bring in and, and the moves he's type of, trying to make. Well, Michael Copeland's job, he's not an X's and O's guy. When I, when I walk into the department, if I walk into Nordstrom's and I, I don't walk down and, uh, to the barista down there when I grab my latte and ask them what kind of, what's the best cut of suit that's going to fit my broad shoulders, do I? No. I, go, I, go, I grab my coffee from downstairs from the barista, and then I go upstairs to the men's clothing department, and I talk, and I talk to the tailors about that. And so I, I, really, I really thought that, that was a, a, people were taking shots at Michael Copeland. There's lots of shots that can be taken because we're not going to sugarcoat that it hasn't, been, it hasn't looked good for the Argos in the last few months, and it hasn't looked good for the last few days either. But you can't from the Derek Dennis comments and people jumping on that, Michael Copeland's job, when he hopped on the phone, if they decide to put him on the phone 
was to talk about those things, to talk yeah. about how what a great place BMO is and what a great city Toronto is and that stuff. So, so to condemn Michael Copeland for talking about it, I think is stupid for whoever's talking about it, and they're just trying to that's, – that's what we call piling on. And I, so I, I would uh, – I didn't like that, but uh, uh, it's definitely a shove-it for what they've done in free agency, James, that's for sure. Well, and – Look, I, I'm with you on on Michael Copeland's situation. That it, it's not it, he's the CEO, and so he should be selling the the everything beyond football. He's he's not the guy who's going to be on the sidelines. He's not he's not picking the guys who are you know lining up under center and and so on and so forth. But and and so you're right. I think you're totally right. Unfortunately, though, from Michael Copeland's standpoint, I think the blood is on his hands. And I like Michael Copeland, but. He's put his team in an incredibly vulnerable position. You had months to address something or other with respect to your GM and your coaching situation, and you let it all fall apart just weeks ago, right before the start of this free agency. And we talked about this, Davis, for the last couple of weeks, whether anybody would want to sign up with the Toronto Argonauts based on the vulnerability and the volatility going on with that franchise right now. And what we've seen outside of Winston Venable and Jeff Matthews, uh, this has been a, just a complete disaster. It's been a total shove it for the Argos because you still don't have a GM in place. And in fairness to, and, and look, Spencer Zimmerman can say all he wants about what this team's going to do. And the same with Tommy Gondell. But guess what? In two weeks from now, those guys may not have a voice or their voice may not mean as much as what it was as what was said and done this particular week. Do you know what I'm saying? Like there's going to be somebody that's going to come in and be the GM full time. There's going to be somebody that's going to come in and be the full time head coach. And that might completely shake the direction of the franchise for the foreseeable future. So uh, for a lot of guys. That was probably a turnoff to not really have a full sense of direction for the Toronto Argonauts, a team that had such a disappointing year last year. And now you're going into what you're hoping to try to bounce back this year or at least get some stability. And what happens? You've got there's no team in the CFL that has more volatility going on with their franchise from top to bottom than the Toronto Argonauts. And I think if you're a fan of the CFL, you would love to not see that being the case for Toronto because I think a healthy Toronto franchise is good for everybody across the league. Whether, whether you like the city of Toronto or not, a healthy Argos team is better for everybody. Just as a healthy football team anywhere across the country is better for everybody. But this situation, it's not even laughable. It's sad. It, it's really, really sad and unfortunate to see this team in the position that they are because less than a year ago davis there were a lot of really smart football guys out there football people for that matter that looked at the argos as being a legitimate gray cup contender less than yeah, a we, year we, ago we talked about it we talked not 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 uh not in the category category of those smart people you're talking about james but me and you talked about it before <laughs> the season we thought the argos we thought that the argos were were a legit contender to to compete to to win the east did we not Totally, and most, and and there were a yeah. lot of people that that thought the Argos were going to be the team to come out of the East, and you know I didn't uh-huh. necessarily have the, the Argos coming out of the East last year, but I, they looked like they were going to be a legitimate heavyweight contender in the CFL, and they wound up going five and thirteen, and were a complete mess by the end of the year, and might be a bigger mess. Here we are, as we approach late February. That's sad. That's unfortunate because 
We don't know what direction this team's going to go, and they're so far behind the eight ball right now trying to get personnel and lined up. You know, the one thing that they do have going for them, they've got a decent one-two punch at quarterback. Ricky Rays says he's coming back at this point in time, and you've got Drew Willie as well. And I think contractually they're making it work for both sides. So, and I think we'll get some more clarity on that over the next coming weeks. But at this point in time, I think that the Argos are just in a world of hurt right now, just a complete world of hurt. Uh, Andre Dury just retired as well. Uh, there's, there's a guy yep. we should quickly give a little tip of the cap to. Congratulations Definitely. on what a career for Andre Dury and a guy who's had to overcome and he so James many just, odds. Just a, just a, James, sorry, just to interrupt you there. Yeah. G, G, he hasn't retired. He actually he actually made it. came out this morning and made an announcement that, because uh, a lot of people, which you probably saw too, and I did as well, that he was retiring. He's he said that he's not retiring. That his message last night that he sent out was was a message to say that he would no longer be a Toronto Argonaut and that he's going to look at other opportunities in around football. So he's not actually retired, but he was just saying thank you to the Argonaut organization for the great years he's had. So even even and Andre Dury recognized he didn't want to be with the Argos, right? <laughs> <laughs> even a thirty even a thirty seven year old running back with. Nine nine knee surgeries will not take an offer from the Argos right now. Not Andre, we're just we're just kidding, Andre. We're just kidding. It's uh, uh, and but to be fair, if he does end up or to move on, to what you said, James, if he does if he does end up not playing again, which is a distinct possibility due to his age and his in his history, I'm with you uh, on the tip of a cap for a guy who has has overcome so much and and been such a stud stud when he's out there and and uh, and from all accounts. Uh, Everybody I've ever ran into, when Andre Dury's name yeah. comes up, you hear nothing but class. Nothing but class from Andre Dury. So, yeah, much respect. Much respect to Andre Dury. Just a great just a great story. But, again, you just just want to see the Argos kind of get – you want to see them get it right. And at least hopefully uh, hopefully there's a light at the end of the tunnel here at some point in time. But it, it sure doesn't look good right now. Um, <laughs> Can we go into one thing? Can we yeah. go into one thing about this, James, before we before we move on from the Argos? And I, yeah, yeah. and I, I do feel like there's, I do there's there's no way, and and this will come. There'll be more clarity when this the situation finally plays itself out with the Argos and their hire. Okay, but I really feel like there's not, and I think we should talk about this now and then see how it plays out. If we need to correct it later, we we can and and we can pile on them later. But I, there has to be something going on, a situation in regards to somebody they're trying to hire which they couldn't talk to at yet, which I heard, I heard this rumor myself that there was somebody in particular who was a very, uh, somebody who was respected around the CFL would be a great hire for them. Respect around, around football would be a great hire, but they had to wait on something before they could secure the deal and, and get it done. So that's why the time, because there's no way, that's why the time and we're looking at, we're starting free agency with no general manager, no coach, which makes no sense at all. So, just the fact that they're waiting because they're deciding to, you know, take some more time in their decision is not accurate. There's something going on that's making them have to wait this time because they want to make the right hire. They're waiting for a certain individual or individuals. And because of that, it ended up digging into free agency, which has put them in a really bad situation. But it's not because they're just, you know, it's not because Spencer Zimmer and Michael Copeland are in, in Bahamas right now having margaritas and they'll get back to it when they when they can it's because there's a situation that they need to address and to get the person or persons they're trying to get 
the time the time wise of it, they can't do it right now. And I think that's why. And hopefully, James, this will give all of us when the hiring does happen, and they can come out and explain why it looks such in shambles and the timing has been so flipping horrible. This will some hopefully explain to the fans around the league and especially the fans of Toronto just just why the timing of this is the way it is, and hopefully. You'll be able to fix some of the some of the stuff that's happened here. I hear you, and and as and as we say all this about the Toronto Argonauts, I can tell you right now, just catching my eye here as we record this, um, Gary Lawless from TSN just confirming that the Argos have signed Peter Dykowski and wide receiver Jeff Fuller. So. Jeff nice. Fuller and Peter two, good, two good signings. You know what? Two good signings, two uh, veteran guys, yep. and two guys who can legitimately contribute. So after saying all that, you know what? Hey, a couple of silver linings. They also added uh, Winston Venable. So, um, you know, by no means is this team a great cup contender with these signings, but at least to see uh, there there are a couple of positives this week for the Toronto Argonauts. So Jeff Fuller and how Peter about, Dikowski uh, as well. How, as about, we how, about this, how about this? How about this? How about this, James? We at the Waggle, we are we are we are lovers and we are supporters. We are not haters, but we know what else we do. We keep it real. And on the count of three, you know what the Argos get in free agency? One, two, three, shove it! So all the people talking junk out there, you can take that and shove it. <laughs> yes, which brings us to number nine, Mr. Sanchez. And closing out uh, all nine teams in the CFL, it's the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Who uh, their uh, signings of note, Drake Nevis, uh, who you touched on earlier, that was a big loss for Hamilton, and also uh, receiver Matt Coates. Uh, I, you know, for them, I think it was all about what they did earlier, and that was keeping Matt Nichols and keeping Justin Medlock. But we're talking about this week with free agent frenzy kind of going down with the Canadian Football League. Davis, I'm saying shove it for the Bombers because I saw too many guys leave and I don't think they necessarily addressed a few areas that they needed to. Yeah, this is probably the, the team going into free agency that, that was the most the most secure in, in, in all yes, positions. I don't I think they needed to make a lot of changes. Yeah, but uh, yeah, I'll give, them, I'll give them a shove it because uh, when we're talking about free agency, we're talking about... Actually, you know what? Here's the thing. I actually will take that back because free agency, love it or shove it, means to me means did you get better or did you get worse because a lot of teams could have lost could have lost some players and that's why it's a shove it and and uh so because they didn't lose anybody and their team the team didn't get worse but they didn't get better i'm kind of i'm coming going in circles here all right i'm gonna give it a shove it forget it take that take that wade miller and the kyle walton shove it <laughs> now in saying that last their team week, is their team is yeah, good their team's I, good their yes team's good. And, and i think we say that like last week we uh you know last week we we were both of the same opinion that we both really liked what winnipeg had done in terms of stabilizing things but they really didn't address anything and i guess it's a, a case of uh staying the course so to speak, right? I so, take. Uh, well, they also picked up. They did pick up Drake Nevis. They yes. did pick up Drake Nevis, who is one of the top top defensive linemen in the league, to a team that already, like we say, Kyle Walters and 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 the the guys over there have already assembled a, a roster that's pretty darn good over their their tenure there. And they've got it. They seem to got have it figured out. So adding Drake Nevis and not losing anybody is probably it's probably a win, to be honest. Yeah, so there you go. Love it or shove it across uh, the Canadian Football League. Uh, and you know what? Many more shoes to drop still 
here over the next few weeks. We're just a few days into free agency, and there's a long way to go between now and week one. So uh, we'll follow up with this again next week. Uh, but that'll conclude it. Abdul Kanay, uh, the newest member of the Hamilton Ticats, is going to join us momentarily. Anything you want to add, uh, closing moments? Uh, you've got no harassment uh, uh, reports or anything filed against you from Brody Lawson, so it sounded like she was pretty tolerant of you this week, Davis. Everything is everything's great, James. Everything is great. And Max, uh, and, yep, Max didn't, was, uh, and, and Max didn't complain of any harassment issues either. He actually did, and that's where we are going. He'll we'll be going to also be going to Waggle Court. Uh, but uh, you know what, uh, Mark 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 Herbert over there, and Christina and Robbie and, and Creever and Jr. and K Scott and Max and uh, the whole Kelly, the whole crew. Uh, thanks for an awesome week and bringing up bringing all that content to to all fans. And it was uh, they were more than hospitable and uh, and gave us Waggle guys a lot of a lot of love all the way around sea ball and for some reason i'm not sure why almost every one of them at some point in the in the days i've been here has pulled me aside and been like james is just great uh, we love james so i i don't know what i don't i guess they haven't got to know you as well as i have but uh you do have their respect that's for sure buddy well you know what it's amazing what you can do by bribing people with paypal online <laughs> uh, we'll talk we'll talk to you next week brother sounds good davis sanchez uh i'm james sabalski if you're not subscribed already find us on itunes abdul kanay from the hamilton tie cats joins us next here on the waggle Well, one of the uh, plums or the cream of the crop when it came to uh, this year's free agency class of 2017. What a wild week it's certainly been. And one guy who's uh, probably breathing a little bit easier now is uh, former Red Black, former Grey Cup champion, and now member of the Hamilton Ticats, one of the more electric defensive players in the game, the one, the only, Abdul Kane. Abdul, welcome to the Waggle. Hey, thanks, thanks, thanks. How you doing, man? Hey, how, you doing? how are you doing? Like, are you glad to get this over with? Are you are you celebrating right now? Are you dancing in the streets? What, 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 talk to me about where your head's at right now. I'm happy to get this thing over with. Um, I'm celebrating right now with my son in the hotel room. We're just chilling. He's bouncing around the walls. He more, he got all his Hamilton stuff on. So everybody's happy. I'm more, I'm more hungry than happy, honestly. Um, Finding <laughs> the deal with Hamilton just um put another fire in my belly. Um, I'm ready to get to playing football right now. Honestly, it's just being out here, being in the city, um, and getting love from everybody that I meet. So it's nice being here. I'm, I'm excited to be part of this program. Why Hamilton? Um, I just felt like Hamilton was the best fit for me and my family. Um, it is a little bit closer to home. I don't gotta go out west, stay on the east. Um, and then. Apart from that, I feel like Hamilton's it was another team that was also ready to make a great cup run. They were just missing a few couple pieces. And I felt like me coming here, I could help this team and this organization get to that point. Did you talk to Emmanuel Davis at all? Because here was a, a here was a secondary that was widely criticized and and, oh, and and partly rightly so. I mean this was a this was a, a secondary that was under siege in Hamilton in twenty sixteen. Did you and Emmanuel talk at all saying, hey, you know what, maybe we can do something special here because you've got a pretty good front seven that can really get after the quarterback. It's just that, you know, secondary help that they needed. Yeah, um, 
I, I personally haven't spoke to Emmanuel yet. Um, I just, I mean, since I've been playing in the league, I've seen him on and off the field, on the field basically, but I haven't, I haven't spoken to him. I didn't speak to him. You guys didn't even just, talk before you signed? Really? Nah, not at all. I mean, I, I didn't know where I was going, but as the week grew on, as it got down to deadline, oh. and I seen maybe Ottawa might not be the place to be, so Hamilton was the next team on my list oh. that I really wanted to come to. So why was Ottawa not the place for you to be in the end where you won a Grey Cup? Um, business, stuff like that. Um, and I just feel like it was a time for a fresh start. I mean, nothing's wrong with Ottawa. I love the city. I love the fans. They gave me everything that I wanted, and they gave me more, more than I could ask for with the passion, the enthusiasm, selling out every game. So it was, that wasn't a thing. It was just I felt like it was time, time to go and time – move on and start a new chapter and start and try to help somebody else out you know when you go through a negotiation process you know i we, we just talked about this a few weeks ago and you know davis davis sanchez and i we were talking about this and we had g roy simon on as a guest on our show as well and they both spoke as as players when they went through a negotiation process especially as a veteran guy you know when you want to stay somewhere it they talked about how emotion does get involved in the in a business decision. You know, G. Roy talked about how hard it was to leave BC with the, after being with the Lions for so many years, and Davis talked about that. You know, having to leave Montreal and and also even trying you know in, in BC as well where he grew up. Does emotion play yeah. into your decision at all, or does it does it impact you? I mean, when you're when you want to be somewhere, and you know you put all that fire and emotion on the field, how does that not translate, I guess, from a business standpoint as well? I mean, those those feelings, and those those are definitely there while you're making the decision. It's, it's definitely hard because you want to, you feel like you owe something to the fans of that city because um, they give you so much and they watch you grow and get better and be an experienced player. So, it wasn't, it was not easy at all. It wasn't easy for me neither, um, but the opportunity here in Hamilton was just, I felt like it was just better for me and my family. This was all off a family decision. It wasn't off, I want to play here or it's free agency, it's time to cash out. It was nothing nothing like that. It was just, I felt like it was closer for my family for me to get here and get home. And plus, it's easy for them to come up to the games here in Hamilton and watch me play. They haven't, I've been in Ottawa three years. They weren't able to make it out there. That's what I, I really play this game for is my family to help them and provide for them. So, and and so hey, look, and obviously it it's worked. It's worked out. You're in Hamilton, like you said. It's closer for your family and to get in there. And um, and, and do you look at this team as being a legitimate Grey Cup contender now going into this season? You got Zach Caleros as your quarterback, and it's not a bad looking D all of a sudden now as well. I mean, how do you assess things in Steel Town? Um, I've always seen this team as a Grey Cup contender. I mean. If we didn't beat them the last two years in Ottawa, then they would have been they would have been here. They would have been in the Great Cup. So this team has always been good to me, in my eyes, from from offensive, defensive, special teams. I've always seen them play, and they play in a great, great tempo, great mood, physical, and that's what I love. I love to be physical. I love to run fast. I love to hit, and I see this defense loves to do that too. So adding me here, I just feel like, like I said earlier, I feel like I'm one of the little missing pieces that they needed. They didn't really need too much. I just feel like I'm one that could help come in and help the team win. 
well, not win. They've been winning, but help the team get to the great cup, which is the ultimate goal, as all players say. Okay, so here's your first real Hamilton Tie Cat test, all right? You you follow me if you can. Let's see. Or, or we'll see just how ready you are to be a Hamilton Tie Cat. You ready here, Abdul? You ready? Oh, I'm ready. Okay. Wee yep. wee. Oh man! Oh. <laughs> oh, okay. You got some learning to do, all right. And, and trust me, you got hundreds. Yeah, yeah, of, you yeah, got yeah. hundreds of thousands of Hamilton fans that are gonna teach you right. But Oski Wee Wee, Oski Wawa, Holy Mackinac, Tiger, Eat 'em Raw. So you got a few months to Oski study wee that. Wee Oski Wawa, Holy okay. Mackinac. I got it. I got it. I'm... Holy Mackinac. Tiger Cats, Eat 'em Raw. Eat 'em Raw. There you go. You got to study. My phone kind of breaking up. I really months. can't hear you. <laughs> okay, I got you. By the time, by the time the first preseason preseason game is here, I have it all down packed. No problem. There you go. Exactly. You, at least you got some time. You can just let the free agency and and all the demand of all of us wanting to bother you for the next little bit, and then when the smoke dies down, then you can practice the Oski Wee Wee chant. Um, hey, I want to go back to I want to go back to Grey Cup week and. Uh, I think back to some of the talk that, uh, you know, we had and Davis kind of was, you know, listening to both, you know, to to your secondary in Ottawa and and the secondary in Calgary. And it was it was a good war of words, so to speak, which which who the best secondary was. And, you know, the numbers would say that the Stampeders looked like on paper that they were the better secondary. But you guys were very matter of factly saying we are the best secondary and you guys went out and proved it in the Grey Cup. But why did you feel that so confidently going in? Because everybody else in this league plays zone. They don't play man. They don't play on the line of scrimmage. They don't want to. They don't want to test people. In Ottawa, that's what we did. We played man. Yeah, some, sometimes you want to get beat. That's what happens in man coverage. But most of the times, when it's second and five, second and three, we'll get off the field because we want to give up them three, two extra yards off the line of scrimmage for the, and giving the receiver time to get open, basically run open, to catch the ball. That's why I said we was um, the, n- the number one secondary. Um, we played tough. We played hard. We wasn't respected, honestly. Um, we played back there with, with a different group every week. We never had the same week for more than more than two weeks. So, Who's the yeah, best? Calgary, they did good things, but Calgary did good things, but at the end of the day, we got it done, and we showed everybody what we could do in Ottawa. And it was one heck of a game. I, I love the experience. Uh, that's that's for sure. Hey, tell me this. Who's the best cover guy? Who's the best lockdown cover guy in the Canadian Football League right now? Sure. I'm the best I'm the best DB in this league. For real? For real. I got a I got teammates, some of my teammates now, they they some pretty elite players too. But I'm a competitor, so I can only talk for me and say I'm the best DB in this league. Why? Why? Um, my numbers don't lie. For one, I play physical. I talk the talk. I walk the walk. I'm just yeah. I don't mean to sound cocky, but I, this is what I do. I play DB. It brought me here to play DB, and I'm gonna show everybody that I am the top DB in this league. I think no, but I, but I think to that point, and we had Bo Levi Mitchell on here a while back, and. You know, Bo's very matter-of-factly similar to to your approach in terms of, you know, I want to be the best. I think I'm the best. I know I'm the best. And it's, you know, it's the same thing that he kind of said that you just said. It's not about being cocky. It's about being confident. How Can you explain the difference for somebody yeah. listening right now? Can you explain that difference between being cocky and confident from your standpoint? 
to me, being cocky and being confident, um, for one, being cocky just you don't you don't ever perform. You don't you talk you talk 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 talk, and when it's time when the lights are on, you you back up. You don't you don't shine to the light. You don't step up. Um, but being confident is you you train in your ability. You believe in your ability. You train hard. You work hard. Nobody has to see you do it, but you know deep down in your mind and your soul that anybody that lines up against you. You can compete, and you could go against them. Not necessarily saying you're gonna win every battle, but you're battle tested and you're ready to go. No matter what happens, you you you, you make it, you win. You win a battle, you act like it's nothing. You lose a battle, you act like it's nothing. You just keep pushing, and at the end of the day, the results will show who's better: the person who's been talking or the person who's been doing the work. How does a guy from London, England, become the best cover guy in the Canadian Football League? That's got to be a wild journey, Abdul. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's crazy. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot. I mean, at a time, you know, there's, there's different things that fuel people. You know, there might be some, like, they tell you too small, you're not big enough, you're not fast enough. That's what fuel people to go. Some people might tell you, oh, you might never, you'll never play in this league. You, you, you're only a, a semi-pro player. You only you, you was never meant to go D1 or Division Two. This that, or some people just put their families on their shoulders and just put everything they've been through in life and just take that and run with it. And that's what I've kind of done. You know, I didn't have the easiest road playing football, going through university, college, and all that. But I just use all that stuff as lessons, life lessons, and just keep going from it. So. That's what got me here from London all the way to here. I just kept going, kept pushing, and never gave up. So, how did you get into football then? Like, when, like when did you come over to when did you come over to the states then? I came over to the states when I was six and a half, turning seven. Okay. For a while, my mom had me playing soccer. I was playing soccer for a while, so probably around nine. My soccer coach Richard Cypress, um, he figured out. This kid's too physical on the soccer field. I was getting like yellow cards, just hitting people and chipping people. Then he like, I got a sport for you. Told my mom, bring him to the the local recreational sports club, man. We're gonna sign him up for a different sport. And ever since then, I fell in love with this game, and <laughs> I guess it loves me back too right now. Yeah, apparently. Just just check the paychecks, right? <laughs> I ain't seen it yet, but apparently, apparently, right now the game is loving me too. So I'm just, I'm just, I'm, yeah, I'm just happy. I'm just happy to be in this, in this position. I know I'm blessed right now. Yeah. So hey, before we let you go, last thing for you, um, what was that shoestring tackle like in the Grey Cup that might have saved you guys the game late in the fourth quarter? You know what I'm talking about, Buckley trying to sneak in. Yeah. Um. <laughs> I was like, yeah. I was like, yeah, man. Damn. All right, we got another chance. Let's go at it. Cause the, the play before that, I had got a pass interference call. That's so I was right. like, wow, this is deja vu. Just like last, the, the the year before that in Edmonton, I got a I got a PI call that got him down a little bit close to the end zone. So I was like, okay, he messed up, dude, but it's all right. It's all right. It's gonna come back some way somehow. Just when the play comes, make it. And then once I seen the formation, I was like. Nah, there's, there's no way they're going to try to run the same play again. Cause that's the only play Calgary really run on the goal line. Mm-hmm. So, once I seen that, I said, all right, it's all or nothing right here. If you if you dive and miss, game over. But if you dive and make the tackle, 
It's all right. <laughs> everybody gets everybody gets to take a breath and get back to the drawing board. So no, that's what it was. Was it a shoelace that you got him? Like, where, where did you get him? I got him on the back of his heel, so like <laughs> on his Achilles. That's close. Yeah, that's yeah. I'm a couple inches, centimeters away from a miss right there. You don't usually bring people down right there. Hey, but you got a ring out of it, that's for sure. Hey, listen, congratulations and thanks for finding the time. I know it's probably been a crazy week for you. And, you know, the whole idea of fear of the unknown, it's got to be a stressful time when you don't know where you're going to be. I mean, you know that there's going to be a light at the end of the tunnel, but at the same time, until you know, you don't know. And I think for a lot of people, it's just human nature to struggle in those sort of situations when you're dealing with all that flux for three months. So congratulations. Thanks for doing this. Have some fun with the family and and practice that Oski Wee Wee chant. No, I got it. It's going to be down pat. It's going to be down pat. Thanks, Abdul. Thank you very much for having me on the show. All the best. Abdul Kanae joining us here on The Waggle.